1: And welcome back to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai. Joining me as always is contributor Shane Kubis. We're here to talk Steelers football. My goodness, is there an influx of moves coming in right now? We wouldn't yeah. expect that typically a few days after rookie minicamp. We're kind of getting that dry spell of the offseason here, Shane, but uh, Omar Khan's keeping us on our heels here. Yeah. Things are a little
2: bit different now. You could tell, I mean, he's put his stamp on the off season so far and draft and everything else. So maybe this will be the new norm for us. Maybe we'll actually have more stuff to talk about this time here.
1: It, it definitely could be. We haven't really had time to relax yet too much since the NFL drafting and kind of dive deeply into things, but uh, I'm sure there'll be a slow period coming up here and we'll get into uh, some, some roster stuff and, and draft stuff really in depth uh, for now though, we've got some news. So let's just talk about some of the things coming out recently uh nfl schedules just came out um prior to when we did uh, or, or after when we did the last show together Yeah. and uh topic always is every year shane the, the the most trendy uh schedule release videos i mean that's what everybody wants to see now we already know the schedule we know, mm-hmm. we know the opponents excuse me we know who the stewards are going to play it's all about the videos and the presentation who was the biggest winner of the schedule release video
2: I mean, the Chargers one is just so funny because one, the, I oh, love yeah, the animation yeah. stuff, but some of the oh, shots yeah. that they took, some of the other teams, like the Lions having the gambling hotline oh, that message, was like just just brutal, some of it. I mean, it, it's fun. Like I said, it's one of the more fun parts of it, I would say. I know we talked about it kind of being an overrated part of the offseason, but like they those videos do kind of make it fun like theirs was really good uh i really like the titans doing what they did where they had people yeah. just try to who the, the teams <laughs> were. and i love how so many of them really thought the cowboys or the colts is so funny like oh, i got that one i know and it wasn't that so those are my probably my favorite ones
1: yeah, I I did like the uh, the spin that the Titans took this year, doing like that TikToky style yeah, video, yeah. asking just people that don't know anything about football to, <laughs> no to label these teams. So, uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of the Chargers, just like last year. I mean, I I don't care at all that it was anime and very similar to last yeah. year's. It's just the production quality is awesome. So, they do a good job. Yeah, they do a good uh, job. They, they definitely did. Uh, Le'Veon Bell versus Vontez Perfect here. Let's talk about this for a second because <laughs> who, who knew that this long after the fact that we'd still be talking about the feud that these two had obviously we go back years i can't remember exactly which year that was where vontes had the the tackle kind of pulled bell backwards towards acl out for the season uh that beef has still kind of continued until now and so levian went on a podcast uh and said something about uh subtly he didn't he didn't mention perfect by name but getting in the we ring kinda, kind of a boxing know. match yeah, with him know uh perfect shine back and it's like let's do this on the golf course event let's make it a charity event so what do you make of this whole thing
2: uh, i mean i'm sure that levion's not the only person who would love to get perfect in a ring with them right from the nfl perfect has definitely made definitely some enemies not. throughout his nfl career and, you know obviously i'm not a fan of his personally of course for a lot of reasons yeah. um we've definitely kind of gotten back at him enough times that i think at this point c- courtesy of juju of course a few years back but in general th- this whole thing of like the celebrity boxing thing and everything like that i just find annoying but also like it's it's bygones at this point like at this point it yeah. shouldn't be something we have to talk about you know Lavian, i'm sure is still upset about and I, understandably so like, i'm not going to act like he shouldn't be upset but this just feels like something that i would have rather not had to talk about obviously uh but i think perfect does have the right idea um, if he is trying to rehabilitate his image a little bit by not being the mm-hmm. the guy that's aggressive I think I'd love to see that as much as like I'd rather them not have to fight <laughs> each other. I'd rather them do something for charity that's actually beneficial or something like that. So that, that don't, was don't think be my happen, next but, question
1: yeah. for you, Shane: Is it would yeah. you rather watch them golf or would you rather watch them box each other? I mean, boxing would be more fun to
2: watch, but I'd rather them <laughs> not have like I don't want to see any more of the animosity aspect. I think I'd rather them exactly. settle it and do charity. Like that would be really cool. Yeah, it yeah, it's it
1: it's cool. water under the bridge at this point. I really think that Vontez had really the perfect exp- response to to Bell. Yeah. He took. So- high road for sure uh, he, he definitely he, did he definitely job. did take the high road didn't do it often <laughs> in no. the nfl like, no, he, like always like to get that last to, shot in yeah, there trying to get but, away uh, from that i think yeah yeah, yeah. maybe he's turning a, a, a new a new leaf here so bit, yeah. uh let's talk real quick about Quan alexander came in visited uh the steelers reportedly uh apparently left the facility without a contract i i mean typically when that happens it's he didn't either check the medical box or the steelers weren't as interested as we thought that they would be um, that would have been an interesting signing there, but, uh, no contract for him. Uh, are you a fan of Quan? Is that something that you would have liked to see him get done?
2: Yeah. I mean, if he's healthy, yeah, because he's a guy that's very experienced, even though he's still under 30 years old for as long as he's been in the league, he started off very strong in his career, Obviously, injuries and other things have kind of weared him down. But if he's healthy enough to be on the roster, I think he'd be at least a really good mentor type. a guy who apparently was really well liked with the jets last year as a leader type. Uh, definitely not going to shy away from that being important for this team. The whole linebacker group is new, right? Holcomb is, yeah. is definitely still like an, he's a vet at this point, but he's not, you know, he's not as much of a vet as he would be with Alexander. So getting more guys like that never hurts. Um, but if he's obviously if he's not healthy enough to play, then there's no point in bringing him in. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Maybe it was medical, though, for sure. It could be.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling medicals probably had something to do with it, just knowing his history, and I don't think his sample's been great as of late. I think it's better than what Jack's was. Like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't crazy about the Miles Jack signing at the time. I think he would be a step up from that, Uh, and just another body there. I mean, their depth at the linebacker position is pretty weak overall, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's not Quan. They do bring in another off-ball linebacker that can come in and Mm kind of carve out some sort of role there, perhaps. Uh, Steelers signed Hakeem Butler, XFL star, also signed uh, Luke Barku. And uh, so two names added to that roster there. Have you got a chance to watch any XFL tape on either uh, not, of these guys? I mean I, from, yeah. I-, exactly. I mean, I know Butler from – exactly. I mean, I've been so busy with Steelers and draft stuff, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I have I was a big fan of Hakeem Butler coming yeah. out into the draft in back in 2019. I mean, you're talking about a 6'5", plus 220-plus pound receiver with – Freakish arm length and I thought his his ability to just uh, catch the ball in traffic and, and do a lot of different things w- was very good. Obviously, though, I mean, not the career trajectory that we would have expected from a guy that was as good as he was in college and kind of fell out of favor very fast with Arizona didn't even make the roster there. Uh, it wasn't active for a game for them. Uh, was signed for Philly for I think like two games, and then was done in the NFL. And and so he goes and just has a beast season in 2023 in the XFL, and now he's back on the Steelers' uh summer roster at least. So where do you think things will progress from here?
2: I think the tough thing with him and what kind of did him in in the NFL is he just can't really separate at that size. Yeah, and as good as he is as far as the, the catch radius and everything else, he just wasn't dominant enough. Because we've seen guys, you know, Pickens mm. is kind of that way too. We There's more of a chance he can learn to separate better just because he's a better athlete, a better mover fluidly. But with guys like that, if they're not elite at the catch point, if they're not making huge plays, you know, basically just botting people up, they're not going to be effective down to down, right? So it's, yeah. it's going to be hard for him to find a spot. Like unless he can play special teams, which I don't think he can, at least he hasn't, there's probably little chance he makes this roster. He just doesn't do enough things well, I think. I'm really glad he kind of return to screw around a little bit with the XFL, but I'd be mm-hmm. surprised if it goes much further than that with the Steelers.
1: Yeah. I think people, we got to pump the brakes a little bit. I know people get yeah. excited this time of year where it's, it's the next new thing. If they watch the XFL and they, they watch this guy dominate because he did have a really good season. He had he did. 51 great, receptions, yeah. 599 yards, eight touchdowns in the XFL uh, just this past year in, in 10 games. And so, he was very productive. One of the most productive players in that league, and in the film, I, from what I hear, is good. I haven't got to watch, uh, go back and watch any of his, his XFL film. But.
3: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.
1: when we have to look at it in terms of what it is right now, this is a really crowded wide receiver room. It's not loaded with like top end talent, but it's crowded in terms of the players that you didn't have last year. You, you went out and traded for Allen Robinson. You're getting Calvin Austin back from IR. You're getting Anthony Miller back from IR if he even makes the team. And so he's already, I would say that Hakeem Butler is already like the second guy outside of the roster bubble. And so he's got to do a lot just yeah. to boost himself up into that conversation. So he's going to need a great summer. And I, I agree with you. I think it's going to have to come on special teams because the Steelers aren't going to, they're, they're not going to keep this guy around if he doesn't have any ability there, because that would mean he would have to be like a top three receiver, top four at the worst. Yeah. You're not playing special teams. I went and checked his snap counts from the, his his time in the NFL, and it was obviously barely played. So he only has like 29 special team snaps. He's at a big disadvantage because Miles Boykin has like, 600 plus. Uh, Gunnar Olszewski has like 584. And so you're talking about guys that have a lot of special teams usage. And, and ironically, both of those guys, Olszewski, uh and Boykin, both came into the NFL in 2019. Yeah. And so if they have this much of a leg up, they've been in the league, they've been on NFL rosters, and they've been core special teams contributors. It's going to be really hard to beat those guys out. And I think that that's the part that people need to understand. Yeah,
2: there's just too many roles already filled on this team at receiver right now. It's just he's gonna Mm -hmm. have to break into like he's gonna have to be somebody that they can confidently put on the field to actually be a receiving threat. And he didn't show it in the NFL and in the XFL. I feel like a lot of it was he's just he's more physically dominant than a lot of the guys he's playing against in the XFL. So he to me feels kind of in that range of like he's he's he was a really good college player, obviously not a great NFL player. I think he's kind Mm -hmm. of in that middle ground, right? Like where you don't really want to be as a player where like, you're not really good enough to be in the NFL, probably full time, but you're also too good to not play football somewhere. So obviously goes and plays the XFL. Hopefully he can make a career out of those types of leagues, if nothing else. But again, he's, he's, he's definitely facing an uphill battle to make the roster. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned him in George Pickens kind of having a, a little bit of similar, similar skill set that way. Pickens is not a separator right now, but he is elite at the catch point. Yes. And I don't see that really changing with him because that's yeah. how he was coming out of high school. That's how he was all through college. And so he's just going to be that guy that, that routinely dominates at the catch point. And if you're not, like you said, if, if Butler's not elite in that in that form and he, and he can't separate well then you have to find a niche in the NFL and I'm not sure if it's going to be with the Steelers or not but we'll see what happens uh, he will stick around for the summer at least and we just have the one cut down day now so he'll he'll have all preseason if uh if the Steelers give him those opportunities to prove himself there uh Mason Rudolph is officially signed now we by by the time that we were starting to, to drop our notes for this podcast Shane we didn't know yeah, if the signing was official yeah. yet it yeah. was it was yes it was reportedly <laughs> that's, that's what so yeah. so now it is official, uh, and it's not yeah. all that surprising. I know some people are like, oh, I can't believe that he didn't get a backup job somewhere else. I never really had that mindset when it came to uh, it, Rudolph. It wouldn't have surprised me if he did sign somewhere else, but I also wasn't surprised to see knowing that the names that were on the market and and there was there was just a surplus of backup quarterbacks who hit the market this year. He just happened to be one that didn't draw a ton of interest. So now I'm assuming he's back and it's going to be that that QB three for the Steelers.
2: Yeah. And first of all, I just will say that I think this is the right move for them to make if he was willing to come back, because there was no other third quarterback they could bring in that made more sense. Right. He has been with the team for years now. He already filled that role last year. Now he's not going to count against the roster if you are the active roster. If we want to keep mm. him on game, is obviously which we'll be able to do. So he'll actually be able to come in if we need him to. It won't just be Trubisky and Pickett. Uh, I really do think that it's a, it's, for me, it's a little bit surprising they didn't get a backup job just because I do think he is firmly a backup quarterback. Like I think he deserves to be a true backup. Not anything more than that. But again, in the NFL, a true backup is a good spot to be in for sure. So. I think that just interest never Mm -hmm. materialized for him. He didn't find it anywhere that he thought would be a better fit. And he knows the system already. He knows what he's getting into. If he did have to play for some reason, there isn't a better team for him to get that shot with in the Steelers. So, no harm, no foul. I think, again, we'll mm-hmm. be looking at the situation next year. He could even be the backup again. Like, he could be the true backup next year once Trubisky's gone. Like, that's something that wouldn't surprise me either. So, we'll see where it goes, though, for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. that That's definitely possible. And, look, I, I know that Mason Rudolph is a player who kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth because – when you try to force this guy to be a starter, the results yeah. aren't going to be very good. But if you look at him for what he is, and that yeah. is a reserve quarterback, I'm perfectly fine with this move. I think that that is, it, it, it's one that was kind of necessary. They need to bring in somebody. I did yeah. not want them to Hit go in Tanner anymore. Morgan with Tanner Morgan
2: somebody has somebody the QB guys.
1: three. Now we'll see yeah. what Morgan can do. I don't want to write him off too early, but went back and watched his Minnesota tape. <laughs> Just like you suggested, Shane, it was not great. There's not a lot to work with yeah, there. Not so, a lot no no uh rudolph still has something i mean in terms of qb3s let's let's look at it like this shane in terms of qb3s you could do far worse than. That. oh i yeah, think he's prob- definitely probably one worse. of the better qb3s in the league as a backup he's so so As a starter, he's yeah. bad right. so that that's what you have to look at it in context was he a great third round pick probably not but they they, they did get 10 starts out of the guy and or eight starts in ten games, something like that. Uh, he's yeah, he's got a five four and one record as a starter. A lot of that is attributed to having the top ranked defense back when mm-hmm. he was playing, and so the offensive results weren't great. But I still think that he's a guy that is deserving of a roster spot, and that's what he's going to be for Steelers. He's going to be the guy that's, that's there on the sideline holding the clipboard. You don't you're not going to have to worry about seeing him on the field, and uh, I think that's going to work for him. Yeah. Uh if you've got a question for us, make sure you drop it in here. We'll make sure to answer them. And I do see one uh yeah. that we have on the chat right now. Uh where is Austin? I'm, and this is uh Calvin Austin in terms of his rehab right now. From everything that I've heard, uh everything's on track. He should be yeah. good to go. Um, I mean, that that injury happened very early last year uh in training camp. You got that surgery yeah. taken care of, obviously. Uh, early in the season, and so I would have to imagine that everything, as far as we know, we haven't heard any reports of any setbacks or anything at this point in time. Would love to see him back on the field. Uh, it was a guy that I was high on. Obviously, I i temper my expectations a little bit because when you're talking about a sub five eight receiver, your role is going to be limited somehow. But the explosion, yeah. the speed, the big playability—it was all so good there at Memphis that I really want to see what this guy can do in the preseason and see if he can uh, kind of carve out a role for the Steelers, even with Allen Robinson in the mix now yeah um we're gonna talk about akella witherspoon now because just this morning uh witherspoon got released by the pittsburgh steelers shane was this a move that was surprising to you i knew that i mean the cornerback room was pretty overcrowded in terms of guys who offered the same thing so i wasn't shocked by it but uh what do you make of the decision to release witherspoon and how do you kind of see this affecting the team so it's not so much surprising that he was
2: cut because I I think I even said that I would expect him to be when we did our roster predictions last week. But the timing of it was a little surprising just because I thought they might let it go into camp and kind of let the corner room sort itself mm-hmm. out through camp and practices and preseason. But I think they looked at last year, the injuries, the inconsistency when he did play, and they just like the other guys that could potentially make the roster more. And instead of you know yeah. letting him sit there and waiting – for cut week and throwing him out there, then they probably figured, hey, let's just get rid of him now. He has a chance to go to another team, you know, battle in camp. And it does thin things out a little bit. It makes it a little bit more clear, kind of the roles for some of the guys. And it does open up the possibility even more so of a guy like Corey Trice, who, you know, we both of us like a lot. If he's healthy, he could very easily make this roster, you know, even more so now than before.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Shane, it did come down to you had. So many guys on the roster that really had the same physical makeup, right? And to play that same role. Like, they, the this was a team corner, that yeah. was, yeah, they're all the boundary corners. They used to be a team full of slot corners where the Stewards yeah. always had the, yeah, the sub sure. six foot guys with the shortish yeah. arms, but were a little bit more quick twitch. Now you get the big, long, physical outside cornerbacks that can play p- press coverage. Um, and I feel like it witherspoon just kind of became the odd man out, especially. And what didn't surprise me at all, Shane, after Pittsburgh decided to double up on the cornerback position in the NFL draft. You looked at a guy like Witherspoon and Levi Wallace. Did you really need both of those guys on the roster? Obviously Wallace has been much healthier and he's coming off a four pick season. So it did not surprise me one bit that he's the guy that they kept around. And I don't think there was really much of a chance that they were going to cut him. It's about uh, one of the best abilities is availability and he has it and, and Witherspoon doesn't. And I think a lot of it came down to that uh, and looking at the guys with the same makeup there. So it does make me wonder, are the Steelers set to the way they are right now? I mean, you got Patrick Peterson. uh, you got Joey Porter Jr. Obviously, Corey Trice was in the seventh-round pick in the draft as well. Shannon Sullivan, uh, James Pierre. What else – and Wallace. And what else do you do now uh, if you're the Steelers? Like, I don't feel comfortable about the slot corner position. Do you think that they're going to go out and, and sign somebody else? And if they were to do that, Shane, then what does it mean for – the bottom of the roster guys the the Corey Trice would I don't think people realize that as much as I love Corey Trice I had him list my a second a, a two three grade on him coming out because I thought the film was that good as much as I like him a lot of your opportunity is going to be tied to your draft status so it, it won't mean anything for the Steelers to cut a seventh round pick and put him on the practice squad it's it's not my preference but uh, we can't act like Trice is a lock that way either. So if the stewards go out and sign a slot guy, are they going to cut Trice? Are they going to cut Sullivan and say, Hey, we got a better slot for you, even though you're the only true slot corner on the team, or are you going to cut James Pierre, who is his well-versed in special teams?
2: I think it's very tough because they also brought in Bark, who We mentioned him earlier. I think yeah. they like him a lot. And I think it's another reason why they cut with a spoon. I think they want to give him a shot to prove himself after a really mm-hmm. strong season, in the XFL, he'll get more reps that way. As far as adding a slot corner, I would like them to just because of the fact right now, like you said, the competition there is just very weak. You know, Sullivan is probably the first in line just based on snaps uh, from last year, the ability to play the slot. But I just again, you look at what he did last year, and you know maybe things will be different here, but it's hard to really think so. He just wasn't Mm. good, right? Just wasn't good straight up, and. To me, like I already I floated the idea of just Trey Norwood get a chance in the slot a little bit because I think that's probably his best position on the field when he's on defense. Yeah. Is that a possibility? Do they try one of the more boundary guys at the slot? Um it, it's really hard to say because a lot of those guys, they don't really move the fluidity in space that you want for a slot corner to handle two-way goes, to handle all the different things that you'll have to handle there. Not that really Sullivan does either, I guess, but it's going to be really interesting to see where the slot snaps line up in camp, especially early on, especially if they don't add somebody. But considering where it's at, I wouldn't. it wouldn't shock me if they did bring someone in either through for agency hmm. again or look at the trade market, see if there's somebody who's kind of just fallen out of favor. That would still be a better option for them. It's It's tough. It really is right now.
1: Yeah, I would have to assume that something else is coming, Shane, because I just, again, I look at the makeup of the cornerback room, and it's like, there's Shannon Sullivan, and then there's a whole bunch of the long boundary cornerbacks, and if we're projecting Patrick Peterson inside in the the latter part of his career, the final couple years of his career, we're we're talking about a guy that had eight snaps there and over a 1,000 snaps on the outside. It's still a projection. And so, but even if we do that, Shane, even if we say that it'll be Peterson and maybe Norwell get on the field there and then Sullivan is your slot guy, if if an injury occurs, I mean, what do you do? And that, do you really want to just say, we got to get a guy off the streets that can come play the slot now? So I think they need to cover their bases perhaps a little bit better. Uh, I like the cornerbacks that they have on the roster. Uh, Outside, I'm not crazy about Sullivan potentially starting at that position. And so I think that that's one of the weakest things that they have left. They got to figure out what they can do there. Uh, but I'm interested to see how the rest of it plays out. I really like the idea of, of Corey Trice as like the dime backer role. Like if yes. you can get him can on see the him field. Yeah. If you can get him on the field and dime, because it, because again, it, this is, I've had this conversation uh, with somebody just recently. What worries me is I'm afraid the Steelers are going to have the mentality of, well, if you're sticking around in the roster this year, we need you to be able to do something for us. If Trice is not a great special teams player, and they don't think that he can contribute well in, in that regard, find a way to get him on the field. If he shows that he's worthy to like, if he has a good summer, a good training camp, good preseason, find this guy a role. And I think that role could be dying because he's very big for a corner. He's a six, six foot three, 206 pounds. He's physical, had an excellent tackling grade uh, last year from PFF at Purdue. Um, I think that's a role that, that can suit him well. And and obviously, I mean, his testing wise, he certainly checks the box there. He might, might not be the most fluid corner, but I mean, his, his agility testing was like in the 95th percentile. So sure. he's a guy that could stick with, with people probably in that role. Um, I, I want to see some way that he can get on the field potentially to kind of secure that roster spot, to keep that rookie contract. Like I'm, I'm not a big fan of like the cut and stash mentality where it's like, oh, this guy's a seventh round pick, so Let's do that. Um, but it doesn't mean that the Steelers won't do it. So, uh, yeah, it's just the the makeup of the the cornerback position is, is very interesting right now.
2: Yeah, and I think Trice, like you mentioned, I think one of the things you could ask him to do right now is he could probably man up with tight ends with his size and his athletic ability. That's something you could ask him to do. I think he can come downhill, like you said, tackle people. So if you want to play him as not necessarily the slot, but have him come kind of from that part of the field on blitzes, even do some of that stuff. take guys out in the flat and just level him like i think he can do all those things if he's healthy now obviously if you if you bring him in that role you have to worry a little bit more about injury possibly because he's going to be more physical and be more in in the action that way but Mm -hmm. a lot of his injuries have been more like soft tissue stuff like not like getting hit or anything more so just that which can't really do much about that other than hopefully not have it happen again honestly yeah uh but yeah i think he he should have a role in my opinion like if he's healthy that's the only thing that's really a question for me if he gets on the field and actually is healthy enough to show what he can do, I think Tomlin's going to like him a lot. I think the other defensive coaches will like him a lot.
1: Yeah. Shane, I think the talent is going to win out. Assuming yes. that that Trice shows that he's healthy throughout the summer and they don't have to do a, a Calvin Austin thing where you stash him on IR for his rookie season and, and basically right. redshirt him. If he's healthy, I think the talent will win out. He'll just show that he's a good football player that this team should not cut and probably won't at that point. Um, and I, and I think that he's a guy that could contribute in, in some facet. And so I like him in the dimebacker role. I, I'm very interested to see what the plan for him is uh, when we see him in camp this year, because yeah. like we said, we just, we just don't know. I mean, when, when the Steelers are in dime, who are their two inside corners? Who are the two guys covering the slot? I mean, I would have to assume right now, Shannon Sullivan is one does Patrick Peterson come inside and that way you can have, porter and levi wallace like, yeah on the on the boundary does porter just, is porter basically a reserve player for now like i can't Sometimes, really see that happening yeah for... it's hard to say it's gonna be a lot of matchup based right now like
2: if you look at the roster as it is yeah a lot of this stuff is matchup based which yeah you can do but like having a set idea of like who you want on the field 90 percent of the time is a great thing to have and right now you don't have that in the yeah. slot position you just don't like you're not you shouldn't be comfortable at least with the slot position
1: Agreed. And I, I think what a perfect scenario, in my mind at least, Shane, would look like is Peterson performs well like he did last year but is able to make the adjustment from a more zone-heavy team to a more man-heavy team. Porter starts on the outside opposite of him. And then Trice eventually leapfrogs Levi Wallace. I know that is it, – it's kind of wishful thinking for a seventh-round pick in year one. Levi Wallace, though, to me, he's a guy who is very, very maxed out. I mean, this yes. this guy, he's smart. He, he has decent ball skills. But – the guy is very limited in terms of what he can do athletically. When you have four six speed, you just you're not going to be twitchy or quick or fast enough to stick with these NFL receivers, and we've seen him get beat down the field. And I think that yeah. he's he's very maxed out at being a very average level starting cornerback. And so that's a guy. I would love to see the talent of Price eventually win that out and say, "Look, it, you're you're you you proved him to be good. Well, we want to get you on the field." And so, yeah, uh, that that's the best case scenario, I think. Yeah, Wallace is just like you said,
2: maxed out's a good word for it. He just he lives on the edge as a, as a corner a lot because he's just good enough at everything to kind of make it work. But there's yeah. sometimes where that edge he, he falls off the edge, basically. Like you see, yeah. you look at you look at some plays last year. It's like he was kind of there in position. He just didn't have the juice to finish the player. Didn't have the juice to stay with somebody and it's gonna bite us in the butt a couple of times if we don't find somebody out there that can kind of replace
1: that role so yeah absolutely and you can keep chiming in with questions for us if you have yes, any sure. uh ken's got another one and he says that save eight million by cutting mitch trubisky i don't know point, if these dealers no, don't are, are so. for that i mean uh, definitely yeah. based off of uh the, the way the front office was talking and Omar yeah. Con, they want Trubisky to be part of the plan moving forward, whether we agree with that amount of money or not, that's a different question. I would like yeah. to see yeah. a much smaller cap number there, uh, but it looks like that's what's going to, that's what they're going to be going yeah. the season with unless they're good with tacking on avoidable year contract or, or doing something, something else like with that, that deal. Yeah.
2: I mean, if they were willing to do it, it <laughs> should have been during the free agency period so they had more money. Back, you would right? think like, so. That's what it would be. Like, you would assume you, so. Yeah. so The fact they didn't, Unless like he, if he looks just awful or something, maybe then they're happy with Rudolph as the two. That would be the only way, but I doubt like we know what Trubisky is yeah kind of is where he is as a player. I think he'll be just fine enough to be the backup.
1: I think so too, Shane. And let's talk about Witherspoon for a little bit longer here because the Steelers save $4 million with this decision yes. to release him. It makes you wonder uh how much that had to do with it and what they could potentially use that money for. So according to over the cap, Ah, uh, prior to this move, the Steelers had eight point one million dollars, a little bit over that uh, in caps uh, in caps salary cap space. They like to enter the season every year with like eight to nine million dollars uh, roughly, uh, in case injuries occur and they need to go out and sign somebody. Well, now you're looking at a little bit over twelve million dollars that the Steelers have based on that figure. And so with that number, Shane, like, do you see them going out and saying, we're gonna use this savings? and we're going to go get another reliable rotational edge player or a slot cornerback or something else. Uh, can you see them making another move like that?
2: With the way that con has been m- making the offseason work, I could see it for sure. I would normally say no at this point in the offseason, but again, yeah, things are kind of – all over the place right now, like we're not really sure what the the, the strategy is going to be moving forward with Khan. And I think that he's shown the willingness to switch things up at this point to add guys to the team and add to roster space. And I think they still have is it may, now maybe like either one or two roster spots left on the 90 man? I think um, I can't remember, uh, yeah. I don't believe at, that they have yeah. it
1: updated because those those three moves, four moves just came in today. Yeah. There was another one as well. Oh, so we're now Ren, I think. Alignment.
2: Yeah. From, uh Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. They, they swapped him for, uh, Manny and I'm, the last name is escaping me right now, but it just uh, happened yeah. right before we started. Um, so I mean, their figure is, he right. 87 players. And I don't think that they counted these last couple. So they might, yeah. they might be down to maybe one spot. Yeah. Last. I think it might be their 90 man roster
2: when you count everything. Yeah, Cause going. So, yeah. So I think it's that if that's the case again there's a spot open for a reason if there's still one spot left and i think he's going to fill it and just yeah is it slot is it more edge depth whatever it is and I, I think that they might let it go into camp a little bit because most of the guys that you especially pick up in fray and see or that would, it would be veterans who might not need as much of a camp as other guys just to get ready but mm-hmm. it's it's tough i i don't think the, there's, there's not many pickings left i threw out justin houston i remember We talked about that. Yeah, like he'd be very fun, but I don't. I think if he does play this year, probably maybe he either goes back to Baltimore or he joins a guy, someone that's more of a true contender in the eyes of the league at least, right? So it's it's tough. It's
1: hard to say. Yeah, I mean they've made late additions to their roster the past several years. With you talking about like uh, Melvin Ingram coming on late, uh, Trey Turner, Joe Schobert. They went out in and traded for. Uh, during the preseason, even yeah. I remember watching the Steelers preseason game it was announced during then, so it's it's not unusual. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. And I think Shane, that if that were the case, and the plan is maybe to to wait and see what happens or to use some of that uh, savings by Witherspoon for that, I think we'd have to be looking at a backup edge or maybe the slot corner position because those still look like the two weakest positions on the team like i i like nick herbig as a prospect can you rely on him this guy who's kind of tweener size to come in from day one and be that primary rotational guy because i just don't trust anybody else there i don't trust quincy roche or david Perales if he makes the roster so it's it's very very weak if you look at it on paper the edge depth the, the starters are, are great the the depth is very weak and that's what's killed the steelers in the past yeah when white hasn't been able to stay healthy
2: And you look at some of of the guys that are still on the, we'll just, since we're talking about the edge right now, some of the guys are still out there. You got Leonard Floyd, Frank Clark is still out there. Not really a fit for what we do, but Robert, Robert Quinn's still out there, you know, after he got traded to Philly last year. I mean, this is, this would be more of a like starting kind of player, but in Gawkway is even still sitting out there. Yeah. clownies out there still it'd be funny mm-hmm. if we took him not that i really want to but funny if we took him from cleveland mm-hmm. um funny enough melvin Ingram's still out there didn't have a great year last year though so houston there's there's guys out there that can play the edge yeah it's just whether or not they want to come in as a third guy or not or you know rotational guys so we'll see
1: that's the thing and there's enough of them though that if that's the position that they're waiting for they might have to kind of hold out until partway through the season. I mean, if, if Maybe, that's what the, the role that they're looking for. I just got a visual in my head, Shane. You said Melvin Agram. I pictured him coming back into the facility and be like, guys, I'm back. Let's try this again. And so yeah. I, I, I kind of don't see. Yeah, no, I don't that, think so. That's not going to play out. Not not how things ended there. But uh, yeah, just, uh, just some fuel for thought. Yeah. Uh, all right. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Still Curtain podcast, you can follow us on YouTube. We appreciate all your support. Make sure you subscribe to the Steel Curtain Podcast if you would. Uh, let's talk about the Steelers' schedule, Shane. There's the biggest topic over the last week. Despite all of these uh, kind of little moves that we're co- compiling up here, the schedule release uh, again. We talked about we talked about our pre-schedule release thoughts and how it's a little bit overblown. We know the opponent list already, but it is po- important at this point. I feel like to see how the things actually line up see the things we like about the schedule, the things we don't, and, and where the hardest stretches might be, Shane. So let's start with this. Uh, what do you like most about uh, the Steelers' 2023 schedule?
2: I think the thing I like the most is the fact that it's a third-place schedule, right? So
1: just kind of yeah. starting,
2: like, we we don't have to worry about We're not used to that. Those extra right? couple Tip- of games. Yeah, typically we're not getting a third-place schedule, right? We're getting either first or second-place schedule at worst most years. It is going to be helpful for a team that did, you know, improve a lot through the draft and, and for agency. I really do believe and should have a better chance to start the season hot opposed to cold, like they did last year. It was great that we were able to bring it around to 98 last year, but it took a huge second half and a lot of stuff to happen their way. This year, I think they have a better chance of starting off at least well. Maybe not, you know, spectacularly anything, but maybe closer or even above 500 opposed to last year where they were two and six going into the bye. So, mm-hmm. I think that's really the most important thing about this is just an easier schedule for a team that should be on the way up instead of just you know starting over at quarterback. Now we've had most of the year with Kenny Pickett. We're going to start off a little bit better. It's a Tough first game of the year, but really for the, after that, yeah. you get a couple games that are very much more winnable. Um, and some of them, even mm-hmm. at, even the road games, aren't the worst road games to have early in the season. So,
1: yeah, I definitely agree with that assessment there, and that obviously that first game you're talking about, that is a uh, home, but it's 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 against the San Francisco 49ers, right. who are obviously a very good team, number one DVOA defense in the NFL last year. Uh, they'll be coming to Pittsburgh at Akershire Week One. Uh, now, if Steelers somehow, I, I mean. Fluky things happen in week one, so maybe, last two maybe last
2: two years we've had enough. some uh, pretty big <laughs> week one wins. That we yeah, they, to cer- win, so.
1: they certainly have, and so yeah. uh, it, it wouldn't shock me if they were to catch them kind of off guard. That West Coast team coming over, not that they yeah. had a game to to that they're recovering from anyway, but it's still you can get that jet lag and every. I mean, it, it's it's very random in week one, so I I, yeah. I won't definitely r- rule they that might, one. They might not as a know loss. who their
2: quarterback is until. Briefly before then, too. That's another thing that that's
1: possible as well. Yeah. And they can be doing some experimenting there. We'll we'll have to see how that shapes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if they lose that game, Shane, you're you're looking at that. That next stretch there. They have their home at Cleveland. Uh, they're away, but it's against uh, the Raiders, which, again, historically, uh, away yeah. against Raiders hasn't gone well but this Raiders yeah. team is not very talented either. Yeah, they're so, in and a weird, they're in a weird spot. Yeah, they, they are. And then you have a game against Houston, you're home against Baltimore by week. And then you get the Rams, even though you're, you're out on the West coast for that. That's definitely a very doable stretch. Like it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the Steelers, if the Steelers were able to get like four or five wins very early in the season. Uh, So I agree with you that that's the thing that I like about the schedule is it, as opposed to last year, where you had that brutal slate, like you're playing Buffalo and, and I mean, Miami, they were able to play that game w- without uh, Tua, right? It was Tua Tua to in right? that one. Yeah. To Tua Tua play there one. for that game. Yeah. They were there. Yeah. They were okay. That he was a just wasn't very game.
2: good overall in that game. He threw a couple of uh, picks. That's right. And,
1: yeah. Uh, they, then you got the Eagles. I mean, they got, they got massacred by the, the, yeah, Bills that was, and the Eagles, right? right yeah, that the was there. One. Yeah. But it was the timing of things as well. You throw pick in at week four at halftime against the jets and they're, they're pretty stacked defense. And so, uh, it just, the, it didn't lay out very well for them. And that's part of the reason why they had a two and six start, uh, last year. So looking at this, I can't see any way, Shane, that they start the season as poorly as they did last year.
2: Yeah. It just wouldn't make a lot of sense. So you have a lot of winnable games and even your tougher games are not games that you should be you know, d- double digit or anything crazy underdogs. Like you're going to be in that fight. Yeah no matter what. And I think that really starting off strong is the key for this team because the back half of the schedule is tougher, I would say, than the first half. So that's the most important Mm -hmm. thing is if you can go, you know, five and three in the first eight games or so, or, you know, start four and two in those first six games, including the bye week, like that would be a really good way to set yourself up for the back half of the year.
1: So let's bring it right into that. What are the things that we dislike about this schedule, Shane, one of the things that I really don't like I, I and I know that people I've heard people argue the opposite, and I get that. I don't like the week six by. Yeah. I don't like it. And and I know what the reasoning was before where other people were saying, Oh, I'm I'm kind of a fan of this. The Steelers can go and they can reevaluate their young team, their rookies at that point, and that they can make adjustments for the back half of uh, of the season. Well, it's not just a half of a season you're looking at. The Steelers would then have to go after week six, they have a twelve game stretch without a break. So that's that's rough. I mean, that's that's it is. just and so if you have uh if you get bumps and bruises in between there not having that come more towards the middle like week 9 week 10 is like my preference so having it come this early it's like you you've got to weather that storm and through all of these injuries and aches and pains uh and not only that, Shane, but you combine it with my other least favorite thing, and that is the brutal stretch. I feel like that that final three game stretch where you are yeah. you're hosting the Bengals, but it's again it's it's still Cincinnati. They've been a yeah. great team these past two years. Then you're you're out on the West Coast against Seattle, uh, and then you are on the road against Baltimore. Those are all three were playoff teams, and so I just don't love how things like if it comes down to them. Like say they need two of those final three wins to get in the playoffs. I just don't love the outlook of that when you're, when you're going 12 games without a break. That's the thing I was going to say is
2: my least favorite part about it is that end of the schedule where you get the yeah. Bengals, you get the Ravens, you get two division games against your two biggest division rivals, and you have to go out and play Seattle, which I really do think Seattle is going to make a run for their division. I know the 49 is really good, but I do think that team is talented enough with the additions in the draft mm-hmm. and everything else. I really think they're going to challenge that. So that's a team that could, be, could have a lot to play for and also might just be a tough out to begin with. Realistically, we need to have nine wins going into those last three games, I think. If we want to make the playoffs, if we don't have at least nine wins, because we, I think we can take one of those three. I don't know which one it would be. Yeah. And I think it's going to take ten. I do think it's going to take 10. Exactly. I think if you get to 10 wins in the AFC, it's, it's going to be a bloodbath. Like it was last year for the most part. Like Mm -hmm. I think you can get in at 10 wins, but if you don't have nine, by that point, you're asking this team to either beat the Bengals at home, which is again, totally doable, but it's not an easy one to do at all or beat Seattle at. Seattle or beat the Ravens at at the Ravens. Like, it's just, it's a tough Mm -hmm. way to end the season. I do think it's doable. Like I said, it's just, I would feel much better at that point. If we get to week 14 or week uh, 16, actually it'd be, and we don't have to beat two of those three teams. Like I'd really, rather- and
1: that's, what's a little bit worrisome. Shane is if they have an early season collapse, yes. Can they make up for it? Like last year, it's going to be hard. It was the opposite where their, yeah. their second half schedule is very easy. And so they were able to fight back and, and have that seven and two record after the buy. I don't think you can expect a seven and two record from this team no. down that str- down the final stretch, because it's going to get rough. And, it, and it, it, the opponent list that they have overall, isn't the hardest. I mean, they, you, you play the, the AFC South and that's, I mean, you, you might be able to go three and one there. And so it's, uh, there's definitely winnable games. They just, you can't afford to have the sluggish start because you also have a very tough slate late. And I think that's, uh, what makes it so challenging this year
2: yeah i think honestly i'm looking at the schedule more and more i think that november 19th game at the browns if they're not six and three or better at that point it's going to be hard to make the playoffs i really think that that's the number If you can get to if you get to six wins before that game i think that they're going to be able to make it in with 10 wins i think they can get four the rest of the stretch but any more than that's going to be asking a lot it's just tough because this team even though it's more talented than last year and they're a better football team overall the defense should be better especially if it's healthy it's, it's just hard. Like this team is probably yep. still not going to be a, a high scoring team. Realistically, it's just not, I we will be a better offensive football team, but how much more is still yet to be seen. And the defense can't carry you through that stretch. It just can't, like, you're going to have to need to get a couple big games out of the offense in that stretch. And then you can get a few. It's just asking for five or six of them is just probably too much yeah. for
1: this team. So. For sure. And you hope that they can take care of business against the teams that they're supposed to be like down yes. that stretch. You talked about that, that week 11 being mm-hmm. that Mark right there, they play the Bengals twice after that point. Yeah. And then the Seattle on the road, Baltimore yeah. on the road. So those like the games against the Cardinals, Cardinals Patriots, Colts, yeah. you have to win those you games. Have to. So yeah, you have to. I they, think. They, yeah. They got to find a way to come out uh, on top of that. Um, toughest games. We kind of talked about that a little bit here, Shane, but which other one's not necessarily that outside of that last uh, uh, stretch of three games there. I mean, obviously week one, right? Yeah. Week one is tough. Just
2: even being at home, just the 49ers really good team. I look at a team, like, even though it is at home, which will be helpful, the Steelers haven't had a lot of success grand. This is a different iteration of them, but the Jaguars have given them problems over the past couple of years. Whenever they're a good team and like healthy Jaguars, even at home might be tough. Cause that's, yeah. I do think they're the best oh, yeah. team in that division. I really do. Um, so it's, it's going to be, that's not going to be a gimme for sure. I don't think not with Trevor Lawrence in year three, not with a lot Mm -hmm. of weapons on that team, adding Calvin Ridley, if he's healthy, like that's not going to be a gimme at all. So that's what I'm looking at too, because that's a big game. Cause if we win that game, that helps us get to that six win mark. I talked about even going out to the Rams. Like I know the Rams were really bad last year, but I think they're going to at least be more palatable as a team this year like i think they're going to be a decent team going out to the yeah. West coast is never easy if stafford's healthy by that point still which that's never guaranteed anymore with him but if he's playing well and that offense is doing well that that might not be really giving either especially out on the road so
1: yeah i would look to that jacksonville game as well because yeah. my goodness the the jaguars were one of the hottest teams down the stretch in the nfl yeah. last year you look at their last 10 games they were excellent that that offense is on the rise uh, and I'm not sure if that that's a team that the stewards are going to match up well against with how high powered their, their passing offense is getting now. And Trevor Lawrence, if he takes that another step forward um, it's all, it all, was already good down the stretch. Um, and it, obviously you, just, you saw what they can do in one half against yeah. in, in the playoffs against the chargers. And so um, I think that game is going to be more challenging And, and stewards. Some reason they are just always, yeah. they always it's, Jacksonville's like their kryptonite. Like that's I still, really I mean, weird. I'm, I'm old enough to remember Shane when like Rasheen Mathis would end their uh, no. playoff yeah. hopes because he would get the, the pick late it's in the insane. game. And so that's a, that's a team that has always given them trouble. Obviously San Francisco in week one, you're talking about the second or third, maybe most talented roster in the NFL. They added Javon Hargrave to that already stacked uh, number one <sighs> league leading defense. And so that's a, t- a tough, tall task for Kenny Pickett in week one there. If, if uh if uh, Shanahan has his team firing out of the gate. And so um, you got to hope that he can kind of get off on the right foot there with the season. You don't want to, you don't want to have to start your second season with one of those zero touchdown, two interception, to 180 passing yard type yeah. games. So. I,
2: I think the Steelers in that game, if I had to guess, not only just in general throughout the season, but I think they're going to try to run the ball forty
1: yeah, times
2: and just, for make, sure. just lean on that defensive line and try to make them tired by the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. Because I really think the strategy against the Niners is you have to, one, be able to wear down their front so you can pass the ball when you need to. But the offense for the, for the Niners, it's so just scripted, basically. That's kind of how I view them. Is like they kind of know what they're going to do and what they want to do. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But if they can keep that game close going to the fourth quarter and they can run the ball a lot, that's when you can then ask Pickett to make some plays for you because that defensive line should be a little bit worn down by that time.
1: Yep, I agree. I, I think that's going to have to be the, the mentality there. So we'll see if they're able to execute that. Obviously, that's not going to be played until September 10th. Uh, but I also think Shane, just honestly, the biggest thing I think that Steelers just have to take care of their own division. You cannot go worse than three and three. You can't yeah, you go have to split. You have, three have
2: three. to at least split. If so, you don't, it's not going to work. It just won't.
1: I, and so I'm hoping like in, in my mind, I did my, my schedule prediction. So we're going to give our predictions here, our record predictions. Um, I am really optimistic. Uh, that the Steelers can maybe sweep the Browns, even though I think that I, uh, I think that Watson can certainly take another step up after. Uh, more time with his team again, and so uh, you almost need it, you almost need it, Shane. Because if the Steelers get swept by the Bengals, which again is likely to do it, people say, Well, I, 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 the Steelers were able to, to split with the Bengals last year, yes. yes, they were, but the Steelers played them in week one where things were fluky, yes. it required four interceptions, it required Patrick blocked. Fitzpatrick. blocked. <laughs> yes, so it, it required yeah. all of these outrageous things to happen. And there was even, was there a defensive touchdown in that game? I think Minka. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. uh, Well, no Minka didn't score on that
2: one. No, I don't don't think so. I forget if there was a defensive touchdown. They set them
1: up in good field position. Now I know several times. times, So it took so many fluky things for the Steelers to win that game in overtime that I don't think that we can count that as a win again. I think it's just Burrow is just going to pick teams apart. That's just what he does. I think he might be the, the best pure pocket passing quarterback, uh, in the NFL, and so that's that one's always going to be tough as long as he's there, and it's going to be a long time. So it, Joe Burrows and contract talk works right now. Uh, so I, I think that you have to go 3-3 three and three or better in the division if you want a realistic shot in making the playoffs.
2: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too, and, and for me, I think that the most likely thing is they split down the middle with all three. I really think that's the yeah. most – because I, I think this Browns team, as much as I don't really want to say it, is probably the strongest roster they've had since they've returned overall. They've, they've solved a lot of their deficiencies with free agency. They brought in defensive linemen to help with that because that was a big issue. They bring Zaria Smith over, who when he's healthy is very, very good number two edge rusher, opposite Miles Garrett, better than what they got from Clowney last year. They're set up well. It comes down to just can Watson be at least you know, 85 90% of what he was in Houston because if he can do that, yeah, he'll be good enough to make that team go, I think, really well. It's still a tough ask, but I think they at least split with them. I think they can beat the Bengals at home. I do. I think that that's a game that Since they just doesn't do well coming into coming into the Steelers. Like they just don't. They don't. They don't do well doing that. I think that they're going to lose at least one of the games against us. The Ravens are the one that I'm curious about because we know Lamar's not play well against us, but this offense they're going to be having is mm-hmm. much different than anything they've run oh, yeah. before. It's it's much more in a position to actually be able to use the passing game more effectively and not just throw to Mark Andrews 15 times like they tend to do. I think that they're set up better to have him look better in general against us. But I still think we'll at least obviously win one of those games, probably the home game, but either one with the way these teams play each other.
1: Yeah. And Pittsburgh was fortunate to escape Lamar Jackson last year. And yeah. so they probably won't be that fortunate again this year. And he's got some new toys to work with, with yes, Zay Flowers does. and Odell Beckham. So uh, that offense could look very different this year as well. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, it, there's definitely some some difficult games mixed in there. I think the the, the overall opponent list is pretty manageable overall. Yes. You just, again, you're talking about your division being this tight. You're in an AFC North with three good quarterbacks that you're going up against in solid uh, rosters all around. You just can't afford to drop those divisional games because it's going to come down to that. I mean, it, every year it seems like it comes down to the wire with the Steelers and I kind of expecting the same again this year, Shane. So let's get into our record predictions before we close out the show. Um, I did my game by game, uh, prediction after seeing the schedule, but I had an idea in mind since the opponent list came out and it's like, I'm really thinking of a number and Shane, we'll start with you. What is your early record prediction for the Steelers in 2023?
2: I think this is a 10 win team. I think they get to 10-7. and seven. I think that that's very reasonable for them to do. I could see them winning a game more than that maybe. I could also see them hovering around 500 again like they have the past couple of years. But I think 10 is the number that i fall fallen and go that feels the most likely because it doesn't require a lot of things to happen that aren't kind of expected to happen based on the record. And it leaves room for like, you know, something unexpected happens. But maybe you do beat... You know, a oh, Bengals on the road randomly, or you do this or that, and you still get to that 10 win mark. I think that's the most likely outcome. They're a better football team this year, right? And an easier schedule, theoretically. Yeah. I'll give them that extra win. And I don't want to give them too much credit just because we haven't seen what this team was going to look like yet. But I think the pieces are there to at least get firmly into the playoff discussion opposed to the weird scenario in 2021 and then last year, you know, just missing out. I think they mm-hmm. can firmly put themselves into, you know, at least a seventh seed situation.
1: Yeah, I I don't have an issue with that at all, Shane. And so the numbers that were in my head since the since the very beginning was I think this team's going to be nine and eight or ten and seven. Kind of went back and forth between the two. There's no question at all that they are more talented on paper this year than they were last year. I mean, I don't yes. think anybody's going to refute that. Yeah. Uh, they ha- they 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 crushed it in the draft, at least on paper. They had a free agent overhaul really you you grab players like I, Isaac Siamalu, they revamped their linebacker position uh Patrick Peterson Cameron Sutton call it a wash if you want maybe they got a little bit worse there but then you've got Joey Porter at the position so I just feel like you go position by position this is a just a stronger roster we do need to see how all these players are going to mesh we need to see how much time that's going to take and how this is going to go but the like I said before the AFC is just so crowded and so is the AFC North that's Ten wins might not guarantee you a, a wild card spot this year, um, but I have them. Shane, when I when I went game by game and actually made my prediction, I ultimately settled on nine and eight for the Steelers, and it, it was mostly because I did have I did ha- have them having a bit of a collapse uh, very late in the season during that Which, that difficult yeah. stretch. There, uh, I had them losing both games against the Bengals, not splitting like they did last year, and then combining that to lose. Uh, the last two games on the road, you go into the West coast against Seattle and on the road against Baltimore. I really, really hope that's not the case, uh, but it's, it's, I can definitely see how something like that can play out. And so I think that uh, nine and eight is pretty realistic prediction. Obviously that would be a little bit disappointing knowing that the roster is better on paper if they finished with the same record that they did previously. Um, You'd like to see them a game or two better. It's just the problem is what we have to understand as fans is the Steelers aren't the only team that's getting better as well. Your your opponents are getting better oftentimes too. And so I think that's been the case for a team like the Bengals even who was already a really strong top four or five team in the league. And so when that team gets stronger, then it's going to just be more challenging. And so uh, path to the playoffs, Shane, we're just talking about that really quick here not coming from a division title, right?
2: I can't imagine. So my whole thought process, and this kind of goes into my my prediction for the wins that they'll get, 10 and 7, is if they get a best-case scenario out of their rookie class, I think they could win 11 games even or more. If they okay, get a yeah. kind of worst case scenario, I still think Tom will get this team to nine and eight because it's what he does. I'm just going to assume that's the floor because it yeah. has been for a long time. But I think that 10 is that middle ground, right? Where like the rookies play well overall. They, they get a lot of, out of the guys that they're expecting a lot out of, but maybe some of the other guys don't perform that well, or some other free signings don't boost the team too much. And you can get to that 10 wins. Hopefully I don't think a division title, again, th- this, this, division is very tough because all four of these teams could make the case that they should be a playoff team. Right. Especially, you know, you're looking yeah. at the Bengals Ravens were just there. They're historically there We're historically there. And again, the Browns roster, just from a roster talent standpoint is like, I really think it's the best they've been since they came back to Cleveland. I do think so because yeah. of that, things could get weird. Like if the Bengals have a rough go yeah. of it against the Ravens and maybe the Browns beat them and we can still win. like could. I could see them still being a really good team. Obviously just the record might not reflecting as good as they could be. I'm not expecting that, but that's possible. The Ravens could surprise with the new offense and just bulldoze teams that are just not as good as them and get to 12, 13 wins. Like that's all those things are possible. So I'm going to say that that's the least likely way they get in the playoffs, obviously, but yeah, this division's it could get ugly down the stretch too especially because we played two division games the last three so
1: yeah it definitely could get weird I agree with you there because I think the teams are closely contested enough that if the if the Bengals are the team that happens to do poorly they in get their own division, a
2: couple times yeah it, it it's, it's to certainly teams.
1: possible and I'm not going to be hard on anybody's prediction here because everything is so tight and it is so hard to yeah. predict and I think it's it, just odds, a mess yeah odds makers have problems with that <laughs> so if you look at it mess. just on paper Shane yeah. it's like if the, theoretically if the Steelers win all these games that they should win, these games that they will probably be favored on, right. uh, favored in on paper and you split in your division, then you could look at a team that can get 12 wins. The problem yeah. is we we just can't expect them every everything to go right like that. There's going to be yeah. some mishaps there. There's going to be guys getting injured in you're you're going unfortunately you're going to lose at least a couple games that you probably should win. And so that that always almost seems every to be the team case does. So yeah. Yeah, That and so we have to account for those as well. So I kind of settle on nine and eight. I think anywhere between nine and eleven wins is a sweet spot. And so maybe maybe you meet in the middle, Shane, and maybe you're right right yeah. with the 10. That's kind of what I'm hoping. Um, middle ground so i i can definitely see that being the case and so not trying to be pessimistic at all I, I love what Steelers did this off season i think that it's great it's just man the afc is so tight right now that when i went game by game it was really hard to uh make the decisions on some of these and down that stretch just gets so tough that you're banking on great health and maybe some not so great health from other teams for you to, to get the upper hand in some of those games to actually be favored in like those fine that final three game stretch that we've talked about so um uh, those are our record predictions for today if you guys have a record prediction for us we'd love to hear about it please yeah, uh, drop in the comment section below and be sure to to uh to come in back next time for us next wednesday uh for our following show uh you can follow shane on twitter at shane kubish you can follow me on twitter at tommy jagai you can download the still curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube and subscribe. Thanks for listening to the Still Curtain Podcast.
4: You know how to book flights and hotels.